In Orkney, it is believed that seals can take the form of humans. There are stories about this, and there are songs, too. And this story that I'm going to tell you was originally an old song, an old ballad, that would be recited many, many verses long. And I've turned it into a story again, because it probably started off as a story before it was a song. But it's called Lady Odivere. Now, there was a woman who lived in Norway who was very, very beautiful and very, very rich. She lived in a fine castle, had servants, had everything that she wanted. She also had things that she didn't want. Men. Lots of them. Turning up, trying to woo her, trying to make her marry them. They were all wanting her because of her beauty and also because of her money. And she had no time for them. She would send them packing with a flea in their ear, tell them to go home and mend the clothes that they'd worn out on their wasted, useless journey to go and try to woo her. She wasn't interested. And the people went back, all these men, and they were not very happy, of course. And some of them had travelled over the sea, and some of them had travelled a long way over land, but they all got the same answer. Now there was a man called Odivere, who was a warrior, and he also dabbled a bit in the black arts, things that he shouldn't. And he'd heard about this beautiful woman and her wealth, and he thought, I will make her my wife. I am determined that she will be my wife. I will have her. Where other men can't, I will have her. And he went down on his knees, and he swore the Odin oath that he would have her as his wife. Now it's a dangerous thing to swear by him that hung on the tree, because Odin is a fickle god, and he may grant you your wish, but only for a certain time, and it will always end in tragedy. But Odin intervened, and Odivir went to see the lady, and when the lady saw him, and he was a fine, handsome knight. She felt a stirring in her that she hadn't felt before. Not for any of the other men, anyway. And so, when Odivere proposed, she accepted, and the two of them were married, bound together by the Odin Oath. Now, Odivere lived in the castle where the lady lived, her castle. And he had many warriors about him. And they would go off riding during the day. They would go hunting. And they would come back at night. And there would be feasting and there would be drinking. Every night they drank. Every night there was songs and music and stories being told. But after a while of this, Odivere got bored. He was fed up with sitting at home and hunting and feasting and drinking. He wanted something new, a change of scenery. So he decided to join a crusade, go to the Holy Land, fight there, 
make some money for himself too, and a reputation. So him and his men prepared. He kissed Lady Odevere goodbye and told her to look after the castle and everything for him until he got back, and he rode away. And Lady Odevere waited, and she waited. Every morning she would comb her hair and wash, and she would go up to the battlements of the castle, and she would look out over the land and towards the sea to see if there was any sign of Odevere coming back. But there never was. Those days turned to weeks, the weeks turned to months, the months turned to years, and there was no sign of him, and no word from him either, not a message, nothing. She didn't know whether he was alive or dead, and she sat there lonely in the castle. She had her servants, but they were servants, they weren't really friends, and she just had a sad, sad life. Lonely, bored, and incomplete. Now one evening, after sunset, a knight walked up to the gate of Odevere's castle and knocked on it, a very loud knock. The porter came to the gate and said, Who is it? You can't come in at this time of night. The sun has set, and the lord of the castle is away, so there is no way that we could let you in. Let me in, he said. I am a knight. I am tired. I am hungry. I need a bed for the night and a meal in my belly. And another thing. Tell Lady Odevere that I have word of her husband. Well, that was a different story. The gate was opened, and the knight was allowed in. He was led up to the hall where Lady Odevere sat, and he was tall and strong and very, very handsome. All the ladies in the castle there, when they saw him, their hearts fluttered. He was magnificent. Well, he walked up to Lady Odevere, and he kneeled in front of her, and he said, My lady... I bring word from your husband, and a token. And he placed a gold ring on her lap. And when she saw that ring, the blood drained from her face. She went as white as a cloud. Now, the knight spoke to her. But she never heard a word he said. All she could do was stare at that ring. Now she covered her face so that the people couldn't see that she'd gone white. They couldn't see the shock on her face. But then that passed. The colour returned to her cheeks. And she was able to talk to the knight. And she said, prepare a feast. So a feast was prepared. Ale and wine was poured, and it was a happy gathering. And the strange knight, he had many stories about Odevere and all his exploits. He was now a wealthy man. He had gathered a great fortune, and the last that he had seen of him, he had gone to Miklegard, the big city, 
Constantinople, as it was known, Istanbul, as it is now. But he had been there, and he had been feasting, and he'd been drinking too, and the night rather let slip that he had no problem finding ladies. There was plenty of women around, and he was all too keen to chase them. Well, Lady Odevere listened to all of this, but kept staring at the night. And when people got tired and they started to go off to their beds, it ended up that at the end of the night there was only Lady Odevere and the night left. And when they were alone and they knew that there was no ears listening, she said to him, Why did you come here tonight? And why did you give me that token? That was the token you gave to me long ago, he said, when we were lovers. When we were in love and intending to wed, you gave me that. I know I did, she said. Well, <clears throat> you know, she said, that I'm married now. And I have a good husband. He is not a good husband, said the knight. He cares nothing for you. He cares nothing for anyone but himself. He is false and treacherous and disloyal to you. And if you think otherwise, you're a fool. Well, they talked long into the night. You know, she said, you know it was the Odin Oath that broke us apart. I loved you more than anyone else, and I would have married you. But the oath broke it. The Odin oath is so powerful you cannot resist it. They spoke again longer into the night, and eventually the knight rose from the table. He took Lady Odevere by the hand, and he led her up to her bedchamber and the two of them lay all night together there. And in the morning, when she woke up just before dawn, the night was gone. There was no sign of him. He had left, without even a word of goodbye. Nothing. Now time passed, and it soon became obvious to everyone in the castle that Lady Odevere was pregnant. Her belly was growing. The question was, Whose baby was it? I mean, it certainly wasn't Odevere's. He had been away for years. Well, when her time came, she gave birth to a fine baby boy. He was a beautiful, big, strong, healthy boy. And she loved him. And she would rock him in the cradle. And she would sing lullabies to him. And as she did, well, they were sad songs. She would sing, Baloo, Baloo, my bonny bairn, Baloo, Lily, Baloo, Lay, Sleep you, my pretty bonny buddo, Your little kin, your mother's way. Allure, I do not know your father, Allure, allure, my woeful sin, I do not ken my bairn's father, Nor yet the land that he lives in. Allure, allure, called shall I be a wicked woman by all men, that I, a married woman, am 
should have a bairn to him I do not ken. As she finished singing, a voice from the foot of the bed said, Here I am, your bairn's father. She looked, and there was the night. I've come back, he said, to claim my son. I will come back in six months, and I will pay you your nurse's fee, and I will take my child away with me. But who are you, she said. I don't even know your name. San Imrevo is my name, and I walk on the land and I swim in the sea. My home is Sulskeri, and where I live there, I am the king of all the Selkie folk, and all the Selkie folk there have me as their leader by their own free will, and they all serve me and follow me. And my little son here will be my heir. I will take him to Sulskeri, which lies thirty miles off Orkney to the west in the ocean. I will take him there, and he will rule after me. But if you take my son away, how can he be safe? He will be safe. He will be wrapped in his sealskin, the same as his father. We are of the Selkie folk. We are not mortals like you. But my husband, she said, he's a great hunter. What should happen if he comes back, and if he should kill my son, if he should spear him or shoot him with an arrow? I have no fear of that, said Sam Emrevo. I have no fear of that happening at all. I will protect him. Never fear. And so he disappeared, just as quickly as he'd come. And after six months he returned with a bag of gold coins for her, for her nurse's fee, and he took his child, and Lady Odivere wept. Her heart was broken, and she wept, and she wept for her child. Before her, the San Enbrevo took the little boy away through, and put him into the sealskin. Lady Odivere took a gold chain from around her neck. It had been a wedding gift to her from Odivere, and she tied it around the silky pup's neck and kissed him, and then they were gone. Now time passed, and soon a great horde of people, a great host, was heading towards the castle, and at the head of it was Odivere. He had returned from his crusade. And if the partying and the feasting and the drinking was great before, it was ten times that now. That was all he had any interest in doing, was just sitting and feasting and drinking and boasting about all his conquests, of all the people that he had slayed, of all the money he had acquired, and also he dropped hints of the ladies that he'd bedded as well. And Lady Odivere sat there silently and listened to all of this, but said nothing. Now, after a while, Odivere got fed up with this feasting and drinking. He got bored again. And so he decided that the next day they would go otter hunting down by the shore. So the next day they got up, 
prepared horses and rode off with their weapons to go and look for otters. Now, as he was down by the shore, there was a sudden splash, and Odivier looked around, and there was a seal pup, a very striking-looking seal pup, because he had black flippers and a snow-white body, and he was able to thrust a spear into that selkie and kill it. And then he brought it ashore, and he stood there in shock, because around the selkie's neck was a gold chain. He went up to the castle, furious. The rage and the anger was building up inside him like a volcano. He came up to the door and threw into the hall with carrying the dead seal pup and the chain. And he shouted, Lady Odevere, Lady Odevere, come down here and read me this riddle. Lady Odevere came down, and when she saw the seal pup, who she recognized because of the black flippers and the white body, she screamed and ran down the stairs and hugged this dead seal, and she wept over it, and she wept, and she wept, and said, Oh, what am I born to see? My baby, my bairn, lying dead here. Who killed it? My curse is on the man who killed my bairn. What do you mean, your bairn? said Odivere. That's no bairn of mine. I think that you've been unfaithful while I've been away. I think you've been dallying with the selkie folk. Me being unfaithful, she said, with you, with a whole host of horse and conquests that you've had and boast about, and you call me unfaithful? I was never unfaithful to you, he lied. Well, she snatched the chain from his hand, and she brought it down heavily on his head. He ordered his men to grab her and to take her away and lock her in a room. It was her tower room that had no windows. She was locked there, and the next day they were deciding what fate should befall her. And it was decided that she should be burnt at the stake. And so everything was being prepared for the next day, when Lady Odevere would be burnt alive. She sat in her room, alone and heartbroken. Everything that she had ever wanted in life was destroyed, was gone. The husband that she had once loved, she hated, despised. Her bairn taken from her when it was just tiny and now killed by this monster of a man who she was shackled to, bound to by the Odin Oath. And then there was the man that she loved, the selkie man, who wouldn't take her with him, even when she had begged him to take her with him to the Sulskiri. He'd refused. He said, you made your choice, and now you have to live with it. And all of these things went through her mind as she wept. 
and she called to the spirit, the ghost of her dead mother, and said, Oh, I wish you were here now, to see the sorry state of your pity lass, who is now going to be burnt to ashes and cinders. Oh, just for one more hug from you, mother, that's all that I would ever want in the world. Well, the time passed. The day followed the night, and it was the morning of the execution, and a stake had been prepared and kindling wood had been brought to burn poor Lady Odevere to end her miserable life. But San Inbravo knew what had happened, and he got all the silky folk from Sulskeri, all the ones from around Orkney, and they swam off to Norway. But they went through down into the North Sea, and they found lots of whales there, and they drove them northwards towards Norway. And soon a cry went up, there was whales in the Vos, there was whales in the bays, there was whales in the fjords. The whole place was full of whales, and they thought they would go down and try to drive some ashore to get the meat and the oil for their lamps. So they prepared boats, and they all set sail, Odevere and all his men, and they left the castle virtually empty. Now, no matter how hard Odevere and his men tried, they never so much got as much as one whale. They couldn't drive any of them ashore. No matter how much noise they made, none of the whales would respond the way that they were supposed to. And so they ended up, after a long day of rowing boats chasing after whales, they ended up with only a skinful of sore bones for their pains. Not one whale, not one bit of flesh, not one bit of oil for their lamps. Well, they turned around and went home. And when they got back to the castle, they saw the gates were standing wide open, all the doors were wide open. Odevere ran up to the tower where his wife was locked, but the door of that chamber had been smashed in. It was lying down on the floor in bits, and there was no sign of Lady Odevere. She was gone, gone with her silky lover. Now, Lady Odevere, despite whatever fault she may have had, was still respected and loved by people in the castle. And they felt that Odevere's double standards was really not acceptable for somebody who was supposedly a lord over them. And they started to desert him. They left him, and in the end, all that he had left was just the contents of his wine cellar, and he would sit there alone, eating his meals alone, and drinking hard and drinking long into the night, but he had nothing now, he didn't have the woman that he loved. All his men that he had around him had all frittered away his money. 
So he had very little of that left as well, and his reputation was ruined. Nobody respected him. And he sat there drinking at night and thinking of the Odin Oath, and knowing that you had to be very careful what you wished for from Odin, because he would make everything come true, all your dreams come true for a time. But in the end, you ultimately had to pay the price. What starts in pleasure ends in pain. What starts with love ends with loneliness, if you swear the Odin Oath. <laughs>